Warning, this podcast contains hot takes, cliched opinions and strong language. It's nice like this, we wish you stayed away. It's nice like this. Hello and welcome to another Records and Bands podcast. Thanks for joining us today. We've got a little bit of a change this week. We're joined by our very first guest. We have Rich Lovell with us today. Now, Rich is the front man for Herefordshire-based punk band Terminal Rage. First met Rich five or six years ago, and he was kind enough to put the Angry Barrels on in a gig in Hereford, a We Shall Overcome gig, and met him there and known him since. We've done quite a few gigs with, with Terminal Rage, and Rich has kindly put, put the band on a few times. Today, we're going to get into some of the records that kind of make Rich tick, and what he likes, and what's brought him to where he is now with his musical stylings. Talk a little bit about the Herefordshire music scene. Bit about the Lemps, the Punks, oi oi. And yeah, I just wanted to get this in because I, I didn't mention it on the record and I feel I should. That Rich did put on a lot of gigs with Michelle, who who we'll talk about in the pod, but it wasn't, I didn't want it to come across like it was uh, kind of just us against the world because there were a lot of people putting on really good gigs at the time as well. So I just wanted to give those guys a quick shout. So Steve from No Poetry Promotions, Andy from Hereford Heavy, then Matt from Twisted Clef Promotions, and we also then had Josh and Stevie from Power Up Promotions who were doing their thing just before before the pandemic. So just wanted to mention those few guys. And yeah, I hope you really enjoy the pod. It's slightly different this week, but hopefully you'll, you'll enjoy this one. And I step aside for a fight. I need to get today on uh, Records and Bands. We have my good friend uh, Rich Lovell, who um, is the front man of a songwriter for uh, Terminal Rage, who are um, a heritage based punk band, promoter, singer, guitarist, and a man who I once des- heard described as a world class swearer. <laughs> <laughs> so i thought that was a nice a nice uh summing you up there rich you are you certainly know your way around that yeah i don't want to, some people just say i'm a potty mouth really and uh, i make up for the complete lack of talent musically by just swearing my face off am i allowed to swear on this or not yeah yeah do what you like man yeah, yeah. And without making you sound like a dependent or anything, Rich, um, also a champion drinker of port, I I understand. Yeah. Look. Look. There we go. Yeah, there we are. That's a classic glass as well. That's a Christmas present off my wife. It's got my name on it. Rich's port, it says. So just in case I forget, A, who I am, and B, what I'm drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, first of all, Rich, thanks for coming on. Our first ever guest, so... Um, Strap in. No pressure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been listening to this week, and I've really enjoyed it. I've been listening to the best of Squeeze this week. Oh, and they got Jules Holland in them. I think they were okay, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> we spoke about Squeeze a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, on this? We were saying yeah, like underrated really. songwriters, really. Hmm. It's just the greatest hit, and I think it's... Um, I don't know, there was three or four that I was listening to. And yeah, just brilliant, brilliant songwriting. And, you know, really kind of, really quite simple, sweet songs, which I know in a, in a podcast we're going to try and talk about sort of um, punk bands. You might not uh, <laughs> be expecting sweet, sweet songs. But um, 
Yeah, really enjoyed it. Like I said, from that songwriting point of view, just really clever songs and really like, they're just like two and a half minute sort of pop songs. And they kind of go, just go quite nicely, sort of just milling around. You know, they do most of my listening, walking the dog. So, um, you know, that's kind of my my time to put some tunes on and stuff. I so, really yeah. like um, Tempted, I think is a great track. Yeah. And um, Pulling Muscles is a great track. Yeah. And I've heard Cool a... for Cats too many times. <laughs> um, I'm a sucker for um, Up the Junction, to be honest. That um, Yeah. That's just good track. Great good track. song. No yeah. chorus. No chorus. No, no. Mm. Um, how about yourself, Rich? What's been uh, on, on your uh, radar this week? Um, not a great deal, to tell you the truth. I found a new um, punk radio station. So I'm working from home, like most mm. people, I guess, for uh, the last 12 months, uh, confined to this room. So <laughs> I've just been searching internet radio. Um, found one called. Um, Punkerfest or something. It's a German station, so no idea what the hell they're talking about most of the time. And probably fifty percent of the bands are a foreign language, but not just there's some French, some Brazilian, uh, quite mixed up. Um, I, it's just nice to have on in the background and, and listen around to. And um, I keep promising myself that's a great track. I must make a note of who the band is so that I can just do a bit more research. But you know, um, work calls, doesn't it? So I'm facing the wrong way to kind of keep a track of what the hell's going on. But um, that's it's a great thing about having them um, working from home, being able to have music on. Uh, you can find some great internet radio stations out there. They're all over the world, all different influences and different ways of doing stuff as well. It's good fun. Um, I haven't had the luxury of working from home. I've been looking after the parks. So people, you know, that, so the parks are nice and tidy for people to go and drop their litter in. Um <laughs> But um, I've technically I'm not allowed to listen to stuff while I'm working because obviously I'm operating machinery in that, and that's where I found the joy of the Bluetooth headphone is great because it just slips in under the ear defender, uh, no, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, no one knows what you listen to. And it's only been since me and Sam started doing this that I've really started diving into music again because before that I was just always listening to podcasts, but now I've got a excuse to listen to music again. Um, and just from what you were saying there, it sounds like you kind of try and keep up a bit with what's going on music-wise. Yeah, I, I try to. I mean, I, I you know, I sound like a, an old fart, because I am an old fart, I guess, but I, um, chart stuff just goes over yeah. my head. Um, and it's interesting you say, talking about Squeeze, that kind of period, that late 70s, early 80s, was quite a rich period for music, wasn't it? Because there was lots going on. Um, you got the punk you got the 82 punk which is the the new kind of noise that was coming through there was new wave of british heavy metal um there was uh the new romantics all of that kind of thing and there's still you know the late disco all great different styles of music and really inventive and and i, I just kind of um again sounding like a, an old dick but it, i just don't see that at the moment it all the variety is quite underground um, you know, off the mainstream, effectively. Whereas all of that stuff, that variety back then, was all in the charts. You look at the charts from, you know, anything from 1978 onwards, and just the rich vein of what was going on there. The variety of stuff, just just brilliant. Um, so to try and find my desire for that sort of thing, that's that's where I use the you know the internet and radio stations, just hunting around and trying to find something that's not the cliched corporate 
kind of Ed Sheeran bollocks that we, you know, we're, we're fed from the from the mainstream radio. Really, you know, they're they're doing it for numbers. Um, but it's just not me. Do you know, I've never knowingly listened to an Ed Sheeran song. No, I think that's quite a good claim, actually. <laughs> <laughs> See, one of the themes with me and Sam is that I'm pretty much stuck in 1995. I just kind of phased out in about two phases and I went off to Australia and I just didn't really get into bands again after that. I still listen to the ones that I did then. So for me, it's all that grunge era, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Soundgarden, and then British yeah. stuff like Therapy and Terrorvision, Manic Street Preachers. That's pretty much my thing. And then I kind of dabble in other things. But from talking to Sam, I'm actually getting into some of the newer stuff now. Um, so was there ever a period where you felt that you kind of phased out of it or have you always kind of stuck with it? No, it was probably um, the early 2000s uh, and it kind of coincided really with, with having a family. So um, children were all born uh, towards the end of the 90s. So you, you, you kind of get, you're, you're probably finding out yourself, Sam, you kind of get, you know, take that takes everything up in your life. So um, I stopped going to gigs and, and music was, was very, very secondary because my life was full of all sorts of other things, work, and then outside of work was was family life. So it was probably 15 years there of, of really not engaging with anything new. Um, I, I was just listening to the, you know, do the old nostalgia trip. That's exactly trip. with me. It was like basically um, my kids' first one came in 2007. Um, and I don't think I've bought a record in, since 2007. So it, yeah. well, not of an artist that I wasn't already into before then, you know, so... Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 but I mean, since since then, probably uh, well, where are we now? So probably 2014 onwards, um, I, I just kind of got wholeheartedly back into it, and then I think Underground Revolution, which is the the kind of the little group we started up for putting bands on and gigs on in Hereford, started around the 2015 right. mark. Put you on a couple of times in 2016, I think. Sam, yeah, we? that's right. Yeah, um, that was the start of it for um, the, the big stuff. Um, so that's where I kind of really started getting into it and realised that a lot of the stuff I really like is the underground mm-hmm. new stuff because that's where people try and experiment and try and make a bit of a difference rather than the, you know, churning out the the wallpaper um, nonsense that we get on Radio One, Radio Two, and and the commercial radio stations. Um, and I, and I've that ever since that that's my love going to gigs. Um, you know, you see bands you've never heard of. Uh, and they're always selling CD, so it's just great to pick that sort of stuff up and and you know listen to it at leisure. It's it's ace. Um, just to um, backtrack a, a second, there. Do you think that your sort of interest in sort of picking music up again came at a similar time to um, when you sort of well around the time you started Terminal Rage? Would that be a similar sort of point, or did Terminal Rage predate that sort of two thousand and fourteen? No, I think my I moved back into the music scene, um, predated that. I, I kind of started, I'd never played in a band mm. as a teenager or, you know, anything like that. And then, um, I don't know, 2012, two, yeah, 2012, 2013, mm. I started playing punk covers with a few mates just as a bit of a laugh. And we, and we were, you know, we're pretty shocking, I have to say, because none of us have ever been in a band before um, of any great merit. And um, we, we just did punk covers to our yeah. and then it just escalated we started we we put a, a like a, a mini festival on it so it's dennis watkins who was the bass player um he owns watkins farm uh with his brother and we we put a one-day festival on there just 
us to kick it off and scare the shit out of people, set the bar room, <laughs> and then everybody else would sound brilliant compared to us. Um, and they're all local bands, and that started the Down on the Farm Festival. Yeah, so that got me into looking for local bands. My needs to, because Dennis then said, well, you know, you found the bands for this, so it's your job from now on kind of thing. I'll do the cider, you do the, the bands. It pushed me into the music scene in Hereford to try and find something, and, and you know, it just galvanised my love for it all. Did you, um, from that then. did you find, sorry, jumping in, did you uh, find much of a scene then when you went looking? Because if we go back sort of to the late 90s and early 2000s when I was there, so I left Dempster yeah. in 2004 and never really been back, um, but being sort of from 16 through to about 24, there wasn't really anywhere to go and watch bands. There was the jailhouse would occasionally have decent bands, um, like decent local bands, but there's probably only two or three maybe that were doing decent original stuff. Yeah, it, it, it was it was it was tough to start with, but um, I kind of got into um, a little movement before the underground revolution started. Um, called Hereford Live. So I think that was people similar to yourselves. Um, not a great deal going on in Hereford. What can we do about it? So um, there was Murph who ran the jailhouse um, and a whole host of other people around. Just We all just got together, all sorts of different music and all sorts of different ages um, and just started to put gigs on. And yeah, the jailhouse was probably one of the main places to, to try and get anything on. And it was difficult. Because it was the only place when I was a kid. Like, Yeah. Yeah, um, the victory started to put some stuff on, um, but you know that that was pretty much it, and it was struggling. But, but we realised that the more we put gigs on, the more people suddenly went. Oh, do you know, we we've been kicking around in our garage for ages, me and my mates. Let let's let's you know, can you put mm-hmm. us on? And, mm-hmm. it, and it, it just snowballed from there, really. And we we, we ran Hereford Live for about three years. We, we managed to put on a week long festival as well. Each gig got a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. Um, uh, but mostly trying to be local stuff. We we put some on at uh, the barrels as well. So they got that little room at the back of the barrels. Mm-hmm. Um, so it did. It started to pick up, and I think the more the more it is that snowball effect. The more you put gigs on, the more bands think, "Geez, your people think great. You know, we can actually do something here. Give us a mm-hmm. chance." Uh, and then and then you start to invite bands from slightly further afield, from Worcester, from Leominster, from uh, from Gloucester, and it you know it just it just grew from there really. I um, um, couldn't believe what I had stumbled upon when I sort of found your um, Underground Revolution page sort of like four or five years ago. We had started out the Angry Barrels and I, we had done a few open mics and a couple of bits that we had sort of put on ourselves, you know, we you know just playing in, a, in a, a pub in town. And like, well, I'm, you know, I'm very open um you know, so excuse, excuse me again, I'm going to make you blush again, that um, yourself, Rich, and Michelle, who was part of that Underground Revolution promotions, like, you know, I got in touch with you and you were like, cool, yeah, come play a gig. And, like, that made such a big difference to, to, our, to our band because it kind of made us think, actually, do you know what? Someone wants to hear us, if you know what I mean. And yeah. that kind of definitely gave us a real sort of push and like you said, we'd been banging around for a bit and, you know, we'd done, done a couple of open mics, but no one had really sort of necessarily wanted us to come and play. And I think a lot of that was, to be fair, you know, like you, you rock up at a pub, oh, can we, can we play on, your, you know, your Thursday night or whatever? 
what do you do? We play punk songs. Nah, probably not actually, mate. You know, it's it's just not, yeah. it just doesn't land, does it? Yeah, um, yeah. I do have a question, Rich, if you, if you don't mind, and just out of curiosity, really. Um, how did you and Michelle meet? Was that through through the, the Hereford Live thing? Uh, no, it, it, it was at the end of Hereford Live, so we, we kind of ran its course over a few years, and then... And, by then, I think my name had kind of got out because I, th- I I was chairman for the last year when it when it ended. Mm. Uh, it's all my fault. <laughs> um, so my name was already out there, and and I was kind of looking for something else. And, and Michelle just contacted me on Facebook really mm. and said, "Rich, I'd, you know, I, she's, she's from um, from Los Angeles. Uh, you know, she's come to Hereford, she's looking for something, you know, to to really get her teeth stuck into." Um, Fancy putting some gigs on, so I met her at the barrels for a drink, and um, you know we we hit it off. Uh, she she's got so many ideas. She's got all the imagination and uh, you know and, and all that enthusiasm, and, and I just kind of carried along in the background. Really, I, I knew the bands, and and but she got all the great ideas. Um, but as I say, the one thing that we both had was that we just wanted to give everyone a, ca- a chance. I mean, from my perspective, you know, I'd found playing live music very late in life. I just started Terminal Rage because I wanted to r- write my own stuff. You know, we'd done the covers band with Abysmal um, and I just wanted to write my own stuff. So I was just just on that, that crest of a wave in a way, in my own head, thinking, this is brilliant. I wish everybody got the chance. And so that was my driving force with the underground revolution in my head was that, you know, if, if somebody says... Look, you know, we've only got four or five of our own songs and the rest are covers, but can we play a gig? Fuck yeah, come along, have a go, because do you know what? That's that's how it starts. It really is how it starts. And I don't want anybody to miss. You, know, you might only play one gig and go, just not for me. But at least you had a bloody go. You've got that opportunity to find out whether you could or couldn't or, or did wanted to or didn't want to. And that's how it was with you, Sam. You know, we were looking around, putting on a punk gig, um, and we wanted a ska band, and it was just, you know, you cocked at it and you say... Well, uh, I've got nothing recorded, but here's a demo yeah. of us prattling around. And it's just fucking come along and have a go. Come along and have a go. You know, what, what's going to happen? You're going to play in front of 20 or 30 people um, as a good night. So it's not like you're going to be, you know, absolutely destroyed if, if you kind of all get stage fright and run out of the building. Um, but you know what? It might turn out that you have a fucking great time of it and it pushes you on to go and do something else, you know, on a bigger stage. So why not? And it, yeah, it absolutely did. Um, like, I remember, I remember that being a really cool gig because we did it at the boot, didn't we? Um, yeah. And we did a few bits there with you guys. Um, played that reggae night with that reggae band who were like one of the, I, can't, um, I forget what they were called, but they were incredible. And I mean, incredible. And there was like yeah. a dozen people there. And you're sort of thinking, oh, this is such a shame. Like, such yeah. a shame. Um, they were brilliant, huh? They were really, really cool. But that's that's the that's the trouble with most um, music scenes in a, in a, somewhere the size of Hereford. Um, a lot of the pubs, you know, you were saying earlier about you know, I want to play pug punk. Oh, I don't think so, mate. Sorry about that. You know, if you if you want to do some eighties covers, metal covers, mm-hmm. you're in, no problem at all. Um, and, and that's that's the the big issue isn't it if you want to be a little bit inventive a little bit off the wall it's just not going to happen um you know you're either a tribute band or you're a covers band and that's the only way to kind of get by and, and that you know that's not going to who the hell are people going to cover in 40 years time still the 70s and 80s superstars what i always enjoyed rich about um 
the nights that you put on and some of the stuff, some like the old dayers that we did, um, is that there was a real sense of kind of like, like you were saying, do you want to play? Yeah, come on. You, you know, there was no like, um, no gatekeepers. No sort of like, pardon? No gatekeepers. No, and no sort of like, oh, you don't play this, no, you, you can't come and play sort of thing. It was very much, I, I seem to remember you, you, you had written somewhere. Um, uh, here you go. I, I am, I am admittedly um, uh, Googling, well, not Google, I'm on Facebook just looking this up. I was just looking for a lineup, but I've just stumbled across this, which pretty much sums those nights up. So, quoting music director, nice one, Rich. Um, no clicks, no egos, no mainstream, just cool music that's played with passion. And, like, yeah, yeah that, that, that summed it up, really. Like, sorry, go on. The whole, so um, the, the title came from Michelle, so, you know, sorry, it's Michelle's fault. <laughs> Warn you, Michelle. Um, but, yeah, we, it's a big thing of mine, no egos. Maybe it's an insecurity from... Oh, you know, from from my my side of things, but I, I just hate it. I don't want people to be prima donnas. Mm. It was almost, you know, there has to be a, the last band to play, and everybody thinks they're the headliners. Well, I'd much prefer if there were no headliners because I want everybody to be, you know, equal footing. Everyone's as good as everyone else. Um, so that was one of our concepts, really. Just you know, nobody nobody should be excluded. If you if you if you're talented enough to write your own stuff and get up on stage, then you know we we. And it was fortunate that it, it was at a time when the booth was was going as well. Yeah. So we had someone that was quite you know in the early days they were very supportive. Um, you know, we had Dado Podro, who are a, a Brazilian punk band. They come across for to play for Rebellion, which is the big punk band in, in, um, festival in in Blackpool. Uh, and we were playing as well. And they came over and did a little mini tour and, you know, spoke to me, is there any way we can play? Yeah, sure, no worries. We'll put you up for the night. It'd be great. It was a Wednesday night, I think. Um, we we put them on uh, with us and and, uh, and another local band, uh, Seven Sons. And, and I think um, I think we took 14 quid on the door, you know, um, and that was just the mates of, of a couple of us. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, yeah. any loose change we found kicking around, putting <laughs> the pot in all give Dado Padre a bit of, you know, train fare money. Yeah. Um, you know, but do you know what? They still remember that. They still talk to me about it, saying, what a, you know, what a great night it was, because we just played. You know, it was like a band rehearsal for everybody. Yeah. We all just played and fucked yeah. around a little bit, and then, you know. Um, Who were the, the Italian bands you put on, Rich? Um, Italian, that was uh, Los Fastidios. Ah, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so anti-fascist baby, they, they they played two gigs for us. Um, great bunch of people. Um, and again, that was one of those unfortunate things. They played Rebellion, um, and we were up in Rebellion when uh, the booth closed. Oh right. So they, they were playing on the Tuesday or the Wednesday. The booth closed down on the on the Sunday, and it was kind of shit. What the fuck? Mm. Fortunately, the Grapes agreed to put it on, um, so we still managed to play, and they were really good about it. You know, as far as money was concerned, there's no way we we're going to cover the fee that they those sort of bands, yeah, you because know, they're a big bloody band. I mean, they you know pack out some halls, um, and then they came and played in front of about fifty of us in um in the grapes. It rocked because you know, there ain't many. You can't get fifty people in the grapes, can you? Really? No, but, no. Would it be yeah, that upstairs? Really nice people. Upstairs. Yeah, nice people. Mm. So I was just looking at the um. So this is 2018. Um, a lineup for the um the Royal Bedding gig, which was around the time of one of the Royal Weddings raising money yeah. for crisis. Um, and just looking at the lineup of the bands, 
So, and this just going back to what I was saying about like there being a real mix. So you've got um, N. McCarr, who, if I remember rightly, a pretty much a borderline death metal band. He might not be yep. kind of. Um, I'm not too up on my death metal and my metal genres. Mike's the man we need for that. Um, 16 Choke Start, who I believe became choked. Is that right? Wraths, yep. yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Then Weisenheimer, who are, I've stolen their guitarist for my band, yep. um, who played like, so Weisenheimer um, are from Lempster and they sort of play, they're quite garage rocky almost. There's a bit of punk yes. in there. Um, and their bassist Scott now plays guitar with us. Um, so they their singer moved away and I poached Scott basically. Um, then you have Pig Days, who who call themselves a scuffle punk band, I believe. Some yep, some shit, like Alvin and the something or the others. Oh, fuck that. Yeah, um, like that does. Yeah, Terminal Rage, whoever the fuck that is. Um, yeah. then you had Hide Your Eyes, who are like you know, a sort of like an emo kind of band, you know, sort of. Then on trial UK, just, you know, good punk band, Brassic, pretty hardcore. And then Last Tree Squad, you know, the yeah. the, the reggae crew, Rob, I've, I've spoken to you about before. Yeah, like, you played with them, he's on your, one of your records. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, yeah. yeah, Lofty's on one of our EP. Yeah, and he's done bits of years and he rich. And it's just such a wide variety of bands on there. And like, I think that's, you know, just because it's, you know, picking those bands out of those genres, I would imagine, Rich, that if anyone approached you for that and, you know, you would have been keen to put them on. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, punk is pretty inclusive. Mm. If you forget all the red top nonsense from the 70s, which is just because they're anti-establishment, you know, um, the red top papers are out to get us in a way. Uh, It's a really inclusive scene and, and... you know, if you talk about anarchy, there's there's no borders, there's no boundaries, there's no description, nothing to define it. So, if you're putting on a punk gig, why shouldn't you open with a you know with with a pretty heavy doomy band? Mm. You know, have yourselves in there, have a have a you know a funk band, which is um, which is Sam's band. Yes, yeah. Um, yes. And um, you know, on trial UK, been around for a while, um, play straight up punk. You know, somebody an- angry and aggressive like us and Brassic, um, and then finish off with a dub reggae band. Why wouldn't you? You know, how punk is that really to say there's, there's just no, defi- no definition to it at all. It's, uh, that's the sort of thing that turns me on. It's, it's, it's great stuff. Well, we, we did the same. I think the first gig that we played with you, um, we had Nick Davis opening. It was just an acoustic oh, local singer song. Yeah. Incredible. What a voice that guy's yeah. got. Brilliant. Yeah. And all of it, all, most of it was his own stuff as well. I was such an emotional, you know, bloke that I used to work with him and, um, you couldn't believe it. He was, a, he was a bit of a, you know, a big ex-squaddy and uh, you kind of wouldn't want to cross him kind of thing. And yet he wrote these incredible emotional songs and had a great voice, as you say, and played the guitar brilliantly. Um, he's such, such a talent. Yeah, how, how the hell has he not got far when you're talking about some of the bland Ed Sheeran bollocks? You know, there's somebody who really does put some passion into it and, and a bit of variety. As far as those sort of the crises, um Christ of the Conscience festivals that you're talking about, Sam, they're those all day. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. All those all those bands all wanted to contribute. So, you know, we are raising money for di- courses like the Musicians Against Homelessness Crisis, The Big Issue, um, The We Shall Overcome, you know, all trying to help people who, who, who need a bit of a, mm. a helping yeah. hand every now and yeah. again. 
and all those people, including yourselves, you know, you're always one of the first to put your hand up and say, yeah, we're absolutely in for, in for that. Um, so, you know, they weren't getting anything out of it. They're not get, even getting petrol money out of this. Turn up, spend all day there as well, supporting the other bands playing, uh, you know, and, and financially it's costing you money in order to raise some money for other people. And you get the same, you know, the, the crowds were pretty decent as well, weren't they? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the very first one we put on was was at the booth and it was an all day and we did poetry and uh, and performance art during the day and then the bands in the evening. Um, and we had um, Quirk, um, John Quinn, who's a, a poet, anarchist poet from Glasgow, got on the train, came all the way down, own cost, put him up for the night in, in the booth for him to do a half hour set of his uh, ranting at, uh, you know, about everything that's wrong in the world. Um, you know, and then stay the evening and get get pissed watching the rest of the bands, and then bugger off back to back to Glasgow, just so he could help raise some money for for people who are less fortunate than them. You know, how cool is that, really? How special is that? There's just there actually are people out there that will do that sort of thing. But, yeah, and even yeah, you know, we 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 put some you know headliners on for one to that horrible expression. We had TV Smith um, uh, come along. We had. Um, Subhumans, we had Culture Shock. You know, all of these bands came along. Mm-hmm. You supported Culture Shock, I think, Sam, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, it was that December, December two thousand sixteen. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, yeah, but even those those sort of bands, the Subhumans, you know, are legends of the punk world. They've been going since the early days, um, and they draw crowds in all the time. And they filled the booth. To be fair, um, uh, you know, and the, phew, petrol money because it was for a decent cause. Why, yeah, um, yeah. back to your thing, Rich, where you're saying about no egos and that, um, thinking about this and a bit of and a bit of research. And I was thinking, about, you know, you're saying some of those bands that you've, you've put on, so like um, TV Smith, Culture Shock, all that sort of stuff, um, Subhumans, like it's not always your name underneath them, which I think is really quite cool because you organise some gigs and like you could quite easily think, well, I will support them, obviously. And you, you don't always do that. And, and I, I think that's quite a cool yeah. sort of, you know, because it'd been very easy for you to say, well, we've got culture shock in, it's going to be busy. We'll, 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 we'll be the support. But no, you, you sort of messaged me and said, come have a crack at it. Like, you know, come, come do this gig, which was, but, you know, not everyone would have done. Two things. One, self-defense, pretty shit. So we don't want to embarrass ourselves <laughs> in front of the band. Um, and two, you know, it's credibility, isn't it? If you're going to put these things on, if, if every time somebody looks at it and goes, oh, fucking hell, he's put himself on again. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter who the who the main bands are. They just look at there and go, Terminal Rage again? Oh, fuck me. Really? Really? Um, so, it, you know, it's all self-defense in a way. Yeah, fair uh, enough. I mean, yeah. Yeah, um, we, we'll come on to uh, some of the music later on, but, we, you know, we have Steve Ignorant come along. And um, I have to say, I did do the, uh, I'm, I'm supporting him. I've got to support him. Well, when <laughs> I was thinking about this and the Steve Ignorant one come up, I thought, do you know what? There are certain people who you just couldn't not do it for. And mm. it's almost like you're proving your point a little bit. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, do you know what? I will put everyone else. But sometimes, you know, it's it's going to be me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Well, you know... Yeah, I'm we're, just... we'll come on to uh, to Crass and, and Steve Ignorant a bit later on, I mm. guess, won't we? But, um, you know, 
such an inspiration for me that it was just to get that bloke to come to Hereford in the first place. Um, Andrew Tranter from Head Sticks um, helped with that. Yeah. yeah, he was the driving force to get Steve Ignorant to come to little old Hereford. But you know that bloke's just a, a legend. You sometimes you don't want to meet your heroes, but he's one of those that you, you should do because he is he is a really genuine chap. Um, so I, I desperately had to, you know, I just desperately wanted to yeah. be on a bill with Steve. It's one of those things, not that anyone will ever listen to me, but, you know, when I'm old and even greyer, um, <laughs> grandchildren, did you really be in a band, Granddad? Yeah, I did. Yeah, with Steve Ignorant. Never heard of him, but was he good? Oh, fuck me, was he good? <laughs> <laughs> now, I must say, and you supported the old firm Casuals, didn't you? Yep. Uh, that being... Um, Rob Lars Fredrickson's band. Oh right, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I must admit, I saw that and I just thought you absolute shit asses. Absolutely. Well, again, you know, Rancid just what a band. Mm. Rancid are just that good, yeah. aren't they? Um, so that I, I, you know, I've been following for years, and and the old firm Casuals, big big fan of theirs. Yeah, cool band. Um, so yeah. when Lee, Lee Garrett, who's a promoter just sent me a message saying, yeah, I think you're a bit of a fan, aren't you, Rich? Do you fancy supporting them? We're, we, you know, we've, we've got three or four bands playing. Um, it's on a Sunday night, unfortunately, in Nottingham. So, you know, you don't, you can never tell the Sunday night, can you? But come along anyway. Fucking hell. Wasn't I going to go? <laughs> Wasn't I going to go? <laughs> Could have been anywhere, that gig. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that, that's, that's the wonder of being in a band like Terminal Rage uh, and being in the punk scene. You meet some wonderful new bands, that are absolutely going places and, and they've got all the passion and doing it for all the right reasons. And and then all those legacy bands that I used to listen to, I get to chance to meet these people. Mm. Um, uh, you know, and, and it's great because most of them are, are pretty, you know, pretty down to earth. They're still the punks that they were. Um, and, and they're still excited about the punk scene as well. So they're not just clinging on to their old stuff that UK subs going for years, um, got to be almost 30 albums now yeah. that they've put out over, yeah. the, over the years Charlie Harper is 70 something still doing it for all the right reasons you know you, you can't knock those sort of people can you really no no yeah, get a chance to, to meet that bloke you know we, we supported him in Worcester um, so get a chance to meet him and talk to him about his lyrics and, and you know and he talks to us about our band which is very polite of him because I'm sure he does it to everyone but it you know, for me as as a as a lyricist, lyricist, it, it was it was brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant to meet these people. Finally, get to talk face to face with these sort of people and realise, you know, what, they're you know they're they're genuine and and they're not much different to us. Um, they're not that far away from us, really, despite all the years of of fame mm. and uh, probably hard work as well. But you know, a lot of fame. Um, they are still genuine, genuine people. Yeah. So yeah, when uh, old firm catch casuals comes up, fucking hell. Oh. <laughs> you said you come to playing, like playing in a band late. And so, if you don't mind, what sort of age was that? And then how did that come about from not playing to playing, and then going from what you were saying was like a covers band to then forming Terminal Rage. Yeah, well, I, I, bought, a, I bought a guitar out of my mum's online catalogue when I was about 17 mm-hmm. or 18, you know, and it took me a year to, to pay off the bloody thing, <laughs> whatever it was. Um, couldn't afford guitar lessons, so I, I just played along with it, and, and I, you know, I got a very short fuse with that sort of thing, so I got very frustrated with my inability to learn how to play the guitar. So I, 
um, I ended up just playing along to ACDC or anything that was a bar chord. Um, and that, and that was it really floated through my twenties, not really doing a great deal other than coming home from work, plugging into my amp and trying to follow whatever was, you know, Metallica, I think, Uh, I think I managed to work out how to play, um, enter Sandman embarrassingly. So, you know, that, that was, as far as I was concerned, I, I, I would love to have been in a band, but it was never going to happen because I just can't, I can't, I can't work out how to play this bloody guitar thing. Um, and then I, you know, I met a couple of people in Herefordshire when I moved out here um, who were into punk, same as me, um, and a little bit of the ACDC kind of stuff and said, shall we, you know, we used to be in bands as, together as, a, as kids in Hereford. Fancy having a go, Rich? Yeah, well, you know, why not? So I, I can play the Sex Pistols. You know, most of it's fairly straightforward, fairly easy to do. So we'll have a go at that. And it, and it just, you know, got it, I just got the bug for it. Got up on stage and realised that um, I thought I was going to be absolutely scared, rigid. Yeah, as a teenager, I wouldn't even phone up the sports centre to book a bloody squash court because, you know, I was too embarrassed and too scared to do it. So would I get up on stage? I doubt it. Got up on stage and had a whale of a time. It's like this weird alter ego came out of me. And I just wanted to do it more. And I spoke to the, the lads there, you know, can we write our own stuff? And they went, nah, we, we, you know, we're quite happy doing what we're doing. So through Hereford Live, I met Bob Griffin, who's our drummer. Um, and, uh, you know, he's well into his punk as well. So just shall we, shall we, you know, try and do something and write some other stuff. And that's where it came from. Just my desire to you know, get some of this well-known anger that you mentioned <laughs> at the start um, um, out, you know, into songs. Um, and the more you do it, the more you love it. And, and, it, and it's quite a cathartic thing as well. Uh, to, you know, all my frustrations in life and get up on stage and just take it take it to the limits there uh, as far as I can with the anger and the aggression because that's you know that's all our our style is isn't it really sad we don't do ballads do we you certainly don't do ballads Rich no no I have listened to a bit of it off your band camp page to be honest I quite enjoyed it it's it's a little bit shouty a little bit oi for me really but it's yeah I yeah yeah, I did enjoy it like it's yeah so you know the more you do it the more you you enjoy it and and uh, you know we we got some support from some great friends uh, people have already mentioned um you know lofty from um that's been around the scene for years you know in um, last tree squad michelle obviously helped uh, you know saying come on rich you can you, you know put your band on it'll be fine and i'm there go i don't think we should do you know we played three months ago just just play it'll be fine Andrew Tranter from Headsticks was very supportive as well. Met him again, trying to book bands for Down on the Farm. You know, will he come to Hereford? He, he played for Hereford Live a couple of times for us. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, you know, we, we, we managed to get a, a spot at Rebellion, mainly because they were local to Hereford, the people who put it on. And um, I think they wanted to say thank you for trying to put some bands on in Hereford, really, um, because there's no way we were good enough to play Rebellion. Um but that gave us that boost that maybe our songs are okay. We played in a few few hundred people and gave me the confidence to write more and more and more. And it just just got going from there. And um, I just love it now. I absolutely love it. I just, why the fuck wasn't I doing this in my twenties? <laughs> just a, a couple of bits, Rich. That um, didn't want to stop you where you were sort of full flow there. Um, certainly not ballads. No, definitely not. Um, what I think is quite um interesting about your band um is that considering and without kind of going down well we may want to go down it but considering Herefordshire is you know as Tory blue as it gets to see a band so sort of abstinently 
anti that and sort of it kind of gives you a bit of of hope almost you know and that like like angry barrel we're not you know we're not a political band at all and it's not something that we really write about but yeah your your style and your writing of, of that you know it, it's kind of and what well, makes you stand out and makes people sort of sit up and listen i think because it is that kind of left-wing kind of view in, in a very right-wing part of the country it is and, and that's um that's probably just um pushed all three of us in the band on a little bit in a way uh, I, talking about the you know the last um crisis of conscience festival that we did which was at the um at the grapes upstairs grapes is just just down the road from the cathedral for people who don't know if, if anybody listens to this um so you know when we're on stage and i'm you know giving it up my all about how i hate fascists i hate racists i hate inequality um I know everybody that's walking past doing their shopping because I think we play about six o'clock. So there must have been plenty of people going past, um, chatting away. Could hear every word I was saying. Um, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Once we got a couple of venues that were happy, again, your point, Sam, punk, fuck no. <laughs> Bands, uh, play venues that would give you a chance to do that, then, then why not? I'm not. I don't think I'm going to convert anybody from being a right winger into being a, an anti-fascist by listening to me. But um, yeah, if it, but if it gives people a sense of camaraderie that you know we're doing the right thing and we're not alone, that's what I get from it. When I meet people like you, when I meet people like Lofty and Last True Squad, or any of the, the punk bands around the country, we're not an, we're not alone. You know, we're not just because we don't have the loud voice, we don't have the media recognition, we don't get invited onto BBC Breakfast to to give our views. But do you know what? we're still here we're still real we still matter um and yeah it's important isn't it to feel that you're not just a lone voice fighting all the time Mm. there is a whole network of people out there there is a whole community of people out there not just in the punk industry but you know just there are some good there are good people out there we we just you know so the people are out there and there's probably more than we have to actually think it's just that we don't have the voice because we don't have the media presence we don't have the ability to get that message out there to fight back properly you, know, you can't even go and have a demonstration down in London without people taking the piss out of you and the media deal with that. So that it actually, you know, it's almost counterproductive to your cause in a way to do these things because people just think you're dickheads for doing what you're doing. Well, you're not actually, you're just showing that you care, but that bit of it doesn't come into it. All you get is, is you know, the police valiantly fighting off, you know, hordes of people where it's probably 20 people, not hordes, but that's the language that gets used. There's definitely a change. I know we're going very off topic here, but why not? It's only us listening anyway. Um, So you had the um, Extinction Rebellion demonstrations or uh, Easter, was it 2019? Yeah, Easter 2019. We then had a change of prime minister and it was a very different approach in the October yeah. Like very different. It went from dancing the coppers dancing in the street with the protesters to shields and helmets and yeah, and it changed. And being called like if the papers can't get out, you're an enemy of the of, of society. You know, it's all of a sudden. You know, the the question to be asked is: Are the police there to serve society? Or are they there to to serve the government? You're right. You know, this there's a shift. Anyway, yeah, that will have turned absolutely everybody off now. No one's oh, listening I to no, this. Well, this is what it's for, isn't it? <laughs> if we're not allowed to have a voice in society, then we can have it on our own private podcast. 
sorry, can we, uh, sorry, just getting back to the band, uh, Terminal Rage, you travel far and wide with the band now, do you, or is it still fairly local-based? Or Yeah, yeah, no, we, we, before, pre-COVID, we were doing 25 to 30 gigs a year, um, and uh, they've all been in the UK, we played one gig in Dublin, otherwise they've been in, in, in the UK, but yeah, uh, Cardiff, uh, Manchester, Leeds, Nottingham, Derby, we're, Birmingham, wherever Excellent. we gig, you know, wherever wherever the fuck people will let us play, then we'll turn up and play. Um, we have a great time. I mean, you know, the thing we always joke about it, but every gig we go to is probably an hour and a half to three hours mm-hmm. each way, simply because there's there's very little going on in yeah, Herefordshire. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, when when we were kids, if we wanted to go and watch bands, it was either up to Dudley, Wolverhampton, Birmingham, or down to Newport, yeah. Cardiff. Was, you yeah, know, I think the closest I ever went to watch a band was in Cheltenham. You know, so yeah, yeah. So yeah, we we've played Cheltenham as well. Yeah, it's very posh there, isn't it? Although um, not the bits that no, we played no. in, but <laughs> yeah. Um, and we and we we've we've just actually got a. Um, I don't know how this has happened, but we're headlining a headlining a gig a festival. It's a three day festival in Ilfracombe next February, oh, and we're the headliners for the Saturday night. Somebody's fucked up there. Um, <laughs> is there a reason they put a punk festival on in the seaside resort in February? means we get free overnight accommodation in a holiday well, park. Do. Yeah. Do you get yeah. caravan each or do you have to share one? <laughs> no, we're not. I don't share. For God's sake. I'm a rock star, for God's sake. Mariah Carey over there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we we play all over the place uh, and we love it for it, you know. It, it, it's, it's brilliant. And that's that's how I expand my, uh, my you know, my musical... Um, collection really get all these gigs and and you know we swap cds with the other bands or buy them um it's good good stuff i found um locally at least um with obviously we haven't um not as well traveled as you guys um because you're a lazy fuck that is a very fair point um when the booth closed in hereford that that felt like a real knock to sort of the local um, scene, for for want of a better phrase. I mean, the grapes and Hereford picked some of it up, didn't they? Also, we you know we done some gigs there. Yeah. Um, I just well would feel um, amiss if I didn't mention them. Um, no, as Re Petite in Leinster. I mean, it was what was mm. to be the, the blue note in your. See, game. I was surprised oh. when you started playing in there because, like, mm. again, when I was when I was in Leinster, it was the Blue Note Jazz Cafe. Yeah, and the only person I knew that played there was um, Trevor Davis from the guitar shop, mm. who'd sit there yeah. and noodle the way for two and a half hours while people ate the dinner. Yeah, you know, completely. Yeah, well, it's changed hands two or three times since it was the Blue Note, and you know, massive. You know, um, Abby and Hester who run it. Mike knows one of them and they sort of said, well, I, I don't know how it started, but he said, oh, I'm in a band. And they said, oh, do you want to come and play? And we were a bit like, uh, yeah, all right. And, you know, fair play to them. They put bands on every weekend, every Saturday night, their bands on. They do like a little outdoor thing in the summer. And like, well, we've played, we've played quite a bit, Rich. You, you've played there, or we've played there together. And, you know, yeah. they just say, so do you want to play? You know, when can you come and play? And we'll say, well, we'll do this date. And, yeah, that's fine. And they'll just kind of say, bring who you want. <laughs> you know, they're really happy for, you know, for us to turn up and yeah. just make an absolute racket. 
you know, because it's only little in there. But like yeah. we've played with you guys, and we've you know with with Weisenheimer and Choke before, sort of those three bands, and like it's Lemster, man. You know, but it's all it needs, though, isn't it, Sam? Really, mm. you know, if you think back to when um, you know Hereford, were, there was some sort of a music scene. It, it was all around um, the Booth Hall, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, because they they allowed us to put those gigs on. They didn't try and influence it. It was a case of you know the Her- uh, the uh, Underground Revolution had a night mm. a week uh, if that's what we wanted, or a night a month if that's what we wanted, uh, and you know we we put stuff on, and that was that was it. Mm. Um, and the, you know that that's how a music scene starts, isn't it? Really, because otherwise, you know, if it was me running a pub and uh, picking the bands as well, then you know, despite I talk about variety earlier, it's probably going to be punk and metal. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Which is, uh, help everyone. So, first thing I would probably do in those circumstances is just you know get a group of people and say sort it out amongst yourselves. Yeah. Really, yeah. Just 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 put music on. Yeah, that's right. Um, and they've had some really kind of. Um, really left field stuff on there. You know, they I know they've had like they've had like grime artists on down there, yeah. um, and you know um, Steve who was in Hide Your Eyes, he's put metal bands on in there and stuff. And yeah. it's it's you know hats off to them because like yeah. I always think that it's not it's not that big a place, but like you but you get like if you've got thirty people in there, you know there's you know it feels. Like more, no, doesn't it? And it's it's one of the it's one of the best places. I love playing places like that mm. because, quite frankly, um, the audience is right there in front of you. Yeah. Um, so you know everything you get. If you, if you get a negative feedback, you see it in the face. You see people da- dancing around, and you probably know yourself. The, one of the great thrills of being in a band is seeing somebody singing songs back to you. Yeah. It's like fuck me, this is good. We've arrived. Someone notices us yeah. enough to have learned how to sing. Um, so playing somewhere like um, like there is just great repartee because people are right in your mm. face. There's no hiding, uh-huh. absolutely no hiding. You feel like you're, you're actually part of the uh, of the audience being in the band, and and it's a great connection to be. I think it is just a, yeah, it's a lovely feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Played in, in, uh, in Hereford. Um, is it Mama Jammers? Uh, yeah. the downstairs bit that was, um, and it's exactly the same thing there. You know, we ended up. I was playing my guitar, pogoing with people who were pogoing <laughs> to our music, um, and, it's, and it's just great because you, you can't, you're in the band, you're not in the band, you're in the band, you're not in the band. I love that kind of experience. I really you do. seem like you're itching to get back yeah. out. Oh god, yeah, I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait. But you know, I think this year we'll probably slow down on the gigs front. Um, I think everybody will because you just don't know where it's going to go. Mm. Just concentrate on uh, on um, writing some more stuff so that people aren't listening to the same old boring shite. Yeah, I, I saw today that Rebellion's been cancelled again, hasn't it? Until next yeah, year. Yeah, it's such a shame, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. I mean, there's so much uncertainty. They can't get insurance, so if it gets cancelled, you know, the hell of a loss. It's an independent festival. They have no no clarity about you know, what the regulations will be if it does go ahead. Um, you know, what support there's going to be. You can't get any touring bands. So all that variety yeah. that, that makes Rebellion, yeah. those Brazilian, German... American punk bands coming over. It's not going to happen. Um, so yeah, yeah, d- a difficult decision for them. And a really sad, sad time. Um, but you know, they're not alone. No, uh, I know with a few because down on the farm's not going ahead again this year, is it? Correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. it just yeah. feels that yeah. those sort of 
smaller festivals, and, and I know obviously Rebellion is not a small festival, but like you said, it's, it is an independent festival, that like one big knock could potentially be the end of it. You know, like yeah. Reading and Leeds, Glastonbury, they can they can take it, can't they? You know, it's it's. Well, yeah. but then this is the other thing. Why the fuck does Michael Evis get some of this fucking grant money for for the arts when fucking the courtyard? He, he doesn't need the it. courtyard theatre in Hereford could probably do with it. The yeah. Rebellion yeah. could do with it. Down on the Farm Festival could do with it. Fucking yeah. Glastonbury doesn't need yeah. it. He took that. He was planning on taking that year off anyway. So why should he get a bailout for public money? It's just, yeah. Sorry. Because <laughs> it's, it's corporate shit with lots of money involved, That's it. isn't it? That's why. Yeah. But you can all, always tell with some of the, well, a lot of these festivals because it's like the other white festival is the worst because you're looking at two hundred and ten pound for a weekend ticket, and then you get like Rod Stewart headlining. But that's because the only fuckers who can afford the tickets are the, are the baby boomers who want to go and watch Rod fucking Stewart. I'd quite like to see Rod Stewart. I'll just quid. put that out there, eh? <laughs> For 210 quid, you could buy yourself a set of golf clubs and beat yourself fucking senseless with them, and it would have the same effect as listening to Rod Stewart, <laughs> wouldn't it? Just as enjoyable, quite frankly. <laughs> so... The original sort of premise for this, Rich, was that me and Rob were um, sitting down. We made a list of 25 albums um, that to recommend to each other. Now, um, as Rob said, we, um, well, Rob moved away, went travelling to find himself like a wanker. Um, <laughs> Not to get away from you. No, no, no. To be honest, Rich, no. what happened, right, I, I, I fucked off to Australia <laughs> for a bit, um, but two weeks before I flew to Australia, I went down to see our, our grand for the weekend. So I went down to, I st- stayed at grandma's for a weekend. Mm. Left, I left on the Saturday morning, came back on the Sunday night, during which time that little prick had moved into my bedroom. <laughs> I hadn't even, I hadn't even got, gone anywhere near an aeroplane. Little prick. Yeah. Um. So. Um. Basically, it kind of. You know how um you always hear people talking about oh I got into these records because my big brother Adam. Well, me and Sam because I was away we never had those conversations. So, yeah. kind of is him saying here you should listen to Jamie fucking T or whatever and me going well you should listen to Sand Garden and. That's kind of the base of this for a start, and then we get together and we just like shout at each other for a bit. That's brilliant. That's what it's about. Yeah. So we thought we wanted to um, obviously chat to you about your band and bits and pieces, but then also to recommend us some stuff, sort of important stuff to you. Um, so we could have a little chat about those. So did you want to? One of these didn't surprise me at all, I must say. I'll let you uh, introduce you to, but one blew my mind, I must say. So do you want to just, uh, what were the, the two records, Rich? Well, the first one, which you probably expected, was Feeding the 5,000 by Crass. Yeah. So typical anarcho-punk from the early 80s. Um, set the standards for me. Steve Ignorant was lead singer. Uh, and the second one, Rust in Peace by Megadeth. Yeah, blew my mind, man. Yeah. I just look at the two albums and like they couldn't be further apart from each other. And it, it, I do have one question and you can tell me to piss off if you want, but 
Is there any photos of a young Rich Lovell with long hair and a denim jacket? That's what I want to know. That's, you know, from the Megadeth days. Um, I plead the fifth or whatever it is. <laughs> they say in America. <laughs> I, 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 may, I may or may not have had a mullet back in the oh, day. Oh, great days. <laughs> so <laughs> me and Rob have been listening to them as well. Um, and do you know what really surprised me about the um, the Crass album? Is how catchy some of it was. Like, because they're... Really? Yeah. Like, um, what's the living? Like, that's a yeah. proper catchy tune. They're not, and this, you know, again, you might want to tell me to piss off and hang up, but like, they're not really a band that I've listened to that much, Kratz. Obviously aware of them, but not yeah. really. That's probably the first time I've sat down and listened to a, a Kratz record, like start to finish, which, you know, may shock you and may make you have second thoughts about our friendship, but, you know, there it is. <laughs> no, no. I really enjoyed no. it. I must say, and you, you, sometimes you hear, hear an album, and like you think, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So like hearing sort of terminal rage now, that influences it's 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 there for all to see. I think. Yeah, but I, I think you know they are two contrasting albums that I've picked because I think the reason I said I said you know, I was surprised when you said catchy for crass because I think in the early years um, I, I found them quite difficult to listen to musically. Mm. The, the lyrics, the message got me, and that's what got me into Crass, really. And uh, and Steve Ignorance delivery, yeah, that you know, I, I can't. That's that absolutely yeah. in, influenced the way the way I take the fight on stage. But I, musically, you know, I, I, I even listened to Feeding the Five Thousand um, this afternoon, ready for tonight, mm. just to kind of make sure I hadn't kind of missed anything over over a period of time. Um, and it's just. I get halfway through it and I'm just going to take a break from it and then come back to it. It's not always easy listening, but there are some standout tracks in there. So do the hours are living, um, band from the Roxy, yeah, um, and, and, and the ultimate one. Uh, so what I always light up when that one comes on, you know, they, they just stand out mm. tracks and the other ones are slightly more meaningful. I think so. There's less emphasis on the, on the musical side of it, the melodies of it and more emphasis is on the, on the, uh, the message that they're trying to get out through them, I think. Um, so, you know, they've got a bomb, that one, for example, where it just sort of goes silent. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and you always go, hang on a minute. <laughs> Has it died? Has it died? What the fuck? Just check my earpiece. Yeah, I thought and that. it comes back in again. When I, when I heard it on yeah. the first time, I was like, oh, 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 hang on a minute. Yeah. No, we're, we're still good. But, but the other thing that I love about it is, you know, a bunch of anarchists there, and they've put that together, and, and you've got different people singing on it, different people contributing. Um, and it's quite basic production as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, quite basic musicianship. You know, Penny Rimbo's kind of drum style is very, very pared down, isn't it? Not a great deal to it. They're living it, aren't they? Really, in that album, I think. Yeah. What what they're trying to say through through their lyrics, they are displaying that in in the, you know, in the music as well. And then Megadeth is the other end of that. Where, you know, there's lots of aggression in it, um, and masses and masses of musical talent. Uh, and there's a hell of a lot going on in that album as well, isn't there? Really, you know, just, just listen to it all the way it's been put together. An enormous amount of stuff going on in there. I was listening to it, man, and I was because I, I was just like the the amount that you said, the amount that goes on in one Megadeth song. Like I could write like three albums with it. <laughs> Rarely a chorus, 
either mm. in those early days for the first three four four five albums they rarely did a song with a chorus yeah I, okay i love them and you know back back in the day so the 80s when i was going to gigs you know you go to punk gigs and they're very aggressive very passionate and that's what got me into into thrash metal so you know that's that's the mega thing because the gigs were just the same yeah same sort of experience it was full-on uh didn't stop you know you when you came out of these gigs physically you know you'd been to a gig um you know even though i used to play rugby every now and again i'd still come out of there with broken toes and sore shoulders and you know just just real feel like i've been through through the mangle a few times quite frankly yeah, it's not a gig if you're not bleeding by the end of it yeah yeah that, that's just what i loved about them all of that thrash and and, and the and the hardcore punk um and the 82 punk so you know bands like discharge um as well that came out um you know they, they probably helped to, to kick start the, the, the thrash genre in a way because they they brought that heavy guitar heavy drum kind of noise um i, I just absolutely all of that just properly excited me so i've got just Almost as many thrash albums as I got punk albums, I think, from that eighties, that rich period of uh, you know eighties into the early nineties. I'll be honest, I struggled with the Crass album. It's yeah. not my cup of tea at all. But seeing you light up talking about it, I will listen to it again. I will give it another chance. I mean, the, the, probably the one I'd say to you to, to try best is probably "So What," right. which is probably on the last side, last but one yeah. song on the B side. Because that's the one that really catches me because he, he starts off and, and the, you know, great message in it, but he gets more and more angry as the song yeah. goes on and, the, and the, the tempo speeds up with it as well. And you just feel the whole thing building to a crescendo. Yeah, I've listened to the record a couple of the times. Yeah, I find it, find it quite hard going. But then the Megadeth album, it took me right back to my, um, my days when I used to knock around with a leather jacket and an Iron Maiden T-shirt. It yeah, really, yeah. really, yeah. I think the only, the only um, Megadeth album I've heard before was probably Euthanasia, which was about 93, yeah. 94. Yeah, so that was after uh, Rust in Peace. Yeah, where it, it all it all lost them. I think I remember reading a, an interview with Dave Mustaine, who's, you know, the guitarist mm. singer in Megadeth, the driving force behind it, saying, you know, he got a family and he'd made his money with Megadeth by that point. So all the reasons for him to be angry... A, a kind of gone mm. so he was struggling musically to, to to kind of find what the hell and i think it shows in his music at that point which is where i lost the love for him after that i'm sorry I, I was surprised how much i enjoyed listening to rust in peace and i think it, a lot of it was that nostalgia because um someone who comes up a lot on this podcast is um my best mate up in Nemster, leon and he was basically he'll come in and be like Iron Maiden one day, Megadeth the next, Metallica the next, and then it would lead into like. Yeah. But yeah, that, that whether it's just the nostalgia of it, I really enjoyed listening to that Megadeth album, and I really didn't think I would either, to be honest. And then I was just like, "Fuck, this takes me back." Yeah, it, well, nostalgia, you know, it, it's it's not a bad thing in a way, is it really? Uh, as long as it doesn't cloud everything out, but it's just the anger and the mm. the energy that both those two albums for me uh, just just get. Um, you know, when you talk about Metallica, their very early stuff was great because they were young, angry, and you know really wanted to get that out there and get it into their music. And you know, the, the pompous shite that they came, in my opinion, you know later on, just fuck me. You know, where are you going? Why don't you just stop? If that's you know, if that's the nonsense that you're going to put out, just bloody stop it, you bastards! <laughs> just you know, ruining all those good times, all those gigs. I spoke to Sam the other week and. When we were talking about festivals and that, and uh, 
it, in about 98, they put on this big day out at Milton Keynes and Metallica were headlining and you had like Marilyn Manson and Ministry and Monster Magnet played and the best band of yeah. the whole the whole day was Terrorvision. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah. fuck it. Like, a band that were there just to have a party, just to, we yeah. shouldn't probably be on this bill, but fuck it, we're just going to kick your asses anyway, like. Yeah, well, I, I can never all that heavy metal stuff. You know, I'm a Viking. You know, all that pompous mm. bollocks, uh, or even the glam rock stuff. Um, you know, uh, Kiss and Poison and fucking all of that shite. Just couldn't get it because uh, yeah, they didn't seem like. But I I love Terrorvision for the same reason. You know, first couple of albums and, and went to see them a, a, a few times back in the day, just because again, yeah, they were just fun. Weren't yeah, they? yeah, brilliant. Didn't take seriously <laughs> at all. They weren't. They weren't pretending that they were muscle band vikings come to you know come to slaughter us all it was it was just three guitars let's sing in a big chorus that we could all chug along to as well it's funny as well with like um the maiden stuff even at the time my favorite maiden albums were the first two with um paul diano singing and i think that's because they had that bit of a punkier edge i mean it still had the sprawling guitar solos and stuff but they just had seemed to have a bit more of a kick about them He's definitely a punk singer, yeah, wasn't Cordiano, yeah. I think. He was, without a doubt, yeah. Yeah, yeah. again, I've never really been a fan of Maiden. I've seen him a few times yeah. at Donington back in the day. Not my thing. Because, again, they do all that pompous bollocks, yeah. spandex. Yeah. They wear their own T-shirts, don't they? <laughs> well, I might have done that. All right. <laughs> what I did enjoy, um, well, two, two things about the, the, the Crass album. Um, and... To comparing it to that Megadeth album, Rich. I don't know how you, you feel about this, but um, I've always found punk music and playing in a punk band quite achievable, if, if that makes sense. Like, because yeah. you listen to, like, um, you know, I would say my favourite bands, sort of, that are, you know, sort of, I love Green Day and, you know, very achievable. You know, I love Rancid, perhaps not quite, you know. But do you know what I mean? It's like... I, I could play those songs, but like, you know, but then you, you throw that some of that Megadeth album. I couldn't play guitar like that if I, you know, if I had a hundred lifetimes, you know? And I think like there's a yeah. part of that is sort of like, I don't know, maybe, you know, I'm obviously minimalizing things there. Like, you know, I'm not saying that guys in punk bands aren't insanely talented, but like there was, there's always that feeling with it for me that like, you know, like songs that I stylistically wise, I can write songs that are a bit like that. And you're the same, you know, like, um, yeah, I, I would say you're, you're, you're probably a more accomplished guitarist than me. Um, but it, it, it feels achievable, doesn't it? Um, yep. which is something that I think, um, attracts me and draws me to play in sort of what, what I like, what I play. That is part of the attraction. Um, I, I can, I can, I can be in a punk band because mm. you know I can do that. I can play three chords. <laughs> yeah, you know, even if they're all just bar chords, occasional open chord, but you know, mostly bar mm. chords. Just fuck around, um, and uh, and it sounds good. Yeah, you know, yeah. You listen to some of these bands. Uh, you know, it, it sounds it sounds brilliant. And they look like having fun. Yeah, that's it. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, and. and I've probably seen Megadeth as many times as I've seen any bands over the years. And I just watch whoever has been the other guitarist in the band, but him, you know, whoever it is, 
with Dave Mustaine. You just watch them, and, and they're, they're, they're light years away. I couldn't fucking attempt to even play some of that stuff at a third speed. It's just not going to happen. And they're doing it all the time, looking looking at the bloody window, bored stupid, but, you know, I'm playing this fucking no-perfect, lightning-fast um, solo or riffing, like the opening to uh, Holy Wars. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. It just frightens me how, how accurate they are every bloody time. It's a great one. You know, it's great mosh. The moment that opening riff sort of kicks in, you know, the place just goes brutal. But they get it right every time. I, no, no chance. Absolutely no chance of playing that. And they probably think it's one of the easiest things that they do. Um, so it's, yeah. But then that being a, you know, a lover of music as a whole, I, lo- I love guitar playing. So I like to watch those sort of things and admire them. You know, I've seen uh, Steve Vai. I don't know if you've ever heard of Steve Vai. It's just... Uh, the most incredible guitar player. Some of his music just whoosh, straight on my head, but you can't do anything other than admire his uh, his ability. Um, you know what he can do with those those bloody fingers on the fretboard. Incredible the noise, the, the sounds that gets out, and the accuracy of it as well. I I enjoyed um, that Crass album as well because it, it sent me on a really really cool little rabbit hole of of bands so after I listened to that I went and listened to um, the first Operation Ivy album or the Operation Ivy album blimey yeah and I just I think it was kind of that quite um, um, what's the word I'm looking for here don't want to say poor but um, or basic or anything like that but that that production kind of value if you know what I mean that kind of it's not polished is it It, it's well to be fair, the Operation yeah. Ivy album is quite polished compared to that Grass album. But I think that, but do you know yeah. what I mean? It's that kind of, like, yeah, yeah. but again, it goes back to that whole thing. You know, it's almost like the saying, you know, if you can play punk, it's within touching mm. distance of our abilities or my ability to play punk. Um, it, it shows that, do you know what? You know, you re- if, the, if the songs are good, it doesn't matter how, how well they're recorded, you know, how they're finished, how they're mastered, uh, how many uh, dubs you've got on there. If it's good, it's good. Yeah, quite um, agree. And you don't have to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds in a studio to, to do mm. that. You know, you can do it the way Crass have done it, which is, you know, in their own backyard kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, an awful lot to be said for that, I think. You know, good good kit doesn't make the band, does it? Or, or no. make the tunes, you know. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, Volume does, they Turn it up fucking loud. We all sound good then. You said about that, that, about crass. I think the influence is such a big thing, isn't it? For, for, for yeah. stuff like that, like, um, you know, like, you know, I heard that crass album and, and Terminal Rage, you know, it it makes sense, you know. Well, not that it didn't make sense before, but you hear that and you think, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, any other bands like that for you, Rich, with, with, um, Regards, to- yeah, well, probably connected in a way because uh, Steve Ignorant did sing from for a while with them for a while. Uh, Conflict, oh, yes, another yeah, anarcho punk band. Um, probably pushed you know m- more musical in a way some of their stuff, but they also did a lot of the, the feedback and the scratchy noises and uh, you know, background stuff and 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 um, you know, overdubs of uh, newsreels and that kind of thing. Um, so all of that uh, uh, discharge that I mentioned earlier, yeah. again that big thrashy noise, and um, you know, and and a few oddball things 
Machine Head. <laughs> like Rob Flynn is just an incredible singer. That bloke has got some voice. Uh, and don't they make an, a great live band? You know, I saw them their first tour in the UK. They recorded their album and uh, that's all they got. They played the album from start to finish in Wolverhampton because that's all they got. They hadn't got anything mm. else outside of it. It was just, you nice. know, varied the, uh, the track order, I think. Um, but he's got such a voice and it's, oh, if, I, if only I could sing like that. So a bit of Steve Ignorance, anger and passion and a bit of Rob Flynn's in your face um, and a bit of uh, Megadeth's kind of violent noise mm. is all wrapped up in there in a way, I think. Um, you know, loads of other bands because there's so many great, punk bands and great thrash bands yeah. as well. Um, all in my head and, you know, stir them all up and comes out and, you know, I can swear like a fuck. Um, and that's Terminal Rage then, isn't it? Yeah, so that was really cool. Um, thanks to Rich for chatting with us tonight. It was really, really cool to see someone who, even over, even over Zoom, they just sort of come alive talking about not just the bands and records that they like, but also the ability of art and music to help those who have kind of slipped through the supposed safety net we have in this country. On that note, rather than plug our social media bullshit this week, I wanted to talk to you briefly about a really cool program which uses art to engage with people in difficult situations some might be stuck in temporary housing and obviously there's too many people sleeping on the streets of our towns and cities art from crisis is a wicked program that for a small monthly donation you get a piece of artwork delivered through your door every month that's been created by someone who the program is actually helping yeah, it's just really cool. It's really cheap. It's like eight quid a month or something. Well, you can choose how much you pay. I think there's an option to pay like eight pound, twelve pound, or twenty pound. Um, but it's really cheap. The art is really fucking cool, and you get to feel good about yourself for actually giving a toss about someone other than yourself for a bit. So, if you head over to crisis.org.uk/artfromcrisis, um, I'll leave a link in the show notes for that. Um, yeah, give them eight quid, get some cool art in the post and help someone out. I'll also leave some links to Richard's band and the Underground Revolution page, which will have information about the scene in Hereford. Right, that's it. Thanks for listening. And thanks for Rich for uh, guiding us through what seems to be a really vibrant, inclusive underground scene that we all hope will return very soon. <laughs>